1: Welcome back, everyone, to Podside Picnic. This is, of course, Carlo. And today I am joined by uh, guest Sean M. Thompson. Hi, Sean. How are you doing?
0: Not bad. You know, pretty good. <laughs> and you had uh, you
1: had suggested, you were the one that suggested reading from uh, Nathan Ballingrid's, um, I think I'm saying his name right, uh, collection, uh, Wounds, uh, specifically the Maw out of that collection. Uh, was there any reason
0: that you chose that story? Um, well, one thing is it's one of the shorter stories from the collection. Um you know, most people would know the visible filth, which is uh, in there, that became wounds. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's actually a great closing story that's about like pirates, and they're trying to find, I guess, the entrance to hell. Um, but that's that's also novella length. Mm. And um, I don't know. Out of the other few that are shorter, this one this one is probably my favorite.
1: I mean it's uh, I do want to thank you for for uh sort of recommending it because it is really great. Uh I I was really sort of drawn in. And granted I think I had read um of Balangrad's out of this collection I had already read I think The Atlas of
0: Hell in Yeah, that's the pirate one. Is that or, the one? Um, well no no sorry that's the Butcher's Table. Atlas of Hell is I think the first one. Yes, with the uh, the mob mm-hmm. boss and the uh the swamp. Yeah, The Swamp.
1: Yeah. And then I, uh, I read, I think I read that in one of the year's best horror volumes. I forget which year. Um, Skull Pocket, I read because it was in one of the, um, I think it was included in John Joseph Adams' first or second, um, best new American sci fi and fantasy collections. That's like, um, yeah. Uh, a very strange story in and of itself. Um, I think you had you had mentioned offline that it's sort of a YA, but uh, seen through like, <laughs> I mean, I I'm I'm gonna add that it's yes, it's sort of YA, but it's also sort of looked at through like some weird distorted glass. Yeah, <laughs> because it is it is somewhat disturbing. It's one of those stories that I read and I I I was like thinking to myself, this is like a kitty story, and then when it ends, I'm like. I'm sort of disturbed by this story, and somehow I kept on
0: thinking about it over two weeks, so uh, <laughs> yeah, I do I, like that story, but I think, um, just in terms of my personal sensibility, I really you, like the Ma because it's I mean, I don't know, it's just such a it's such a simple story yet um, <clears throat> the world building around it is so nuanced but complex hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think um, and do we want to sort of just get into sort of just talking about because it's it's a like you said, it's a it's a very I mean, the way it's presented, it is you're you're correct it is very simple. It's a rescue mission, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's three characters, two of which uh, are the main, you know, sort of like the the main uh, duo, which is Mix, who's like a seventeen-year-old who's apparently lost um, her parents in the event that uh, is is the 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 story titled titled uh, for, which is basically like uh, it's sort of like um, I guess if the Hellmouth and Buffy had actually happened. But Buffy, but it, but in a world where Buffy is not quippy or, or it's not sort of funny. Right, at all. if
0: Buffy was just pissed off all the time and wasn't mm-hmm. really cracking jokes.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Mix is the seventeen-year-old. Uh, you have Carlos, who is. Quite old. Uh, she, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, she says uh, she admits that anyone past 50 seems improbably ancient to her, but he is far, far older than that. And so I'm going to guess he's like maybe in his late 60s, maybe even early 70s or more. Yeah, I was
0: assuming about maybe 75. Yeah, something. Yeah, I was thinking more or less the same. More or less in the same ballpark. I mean, he's still uh, ambulatory, you know, like he can still walk around. He's just mm-hmm. still old, so he's a little slow.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then of course Maria, who is the the actual sort of uh, focus of the rescue mission, who we later find out we can he's a hold dog. on to that. Oh well, we could say it right now. Yeah, I mean that's the funny thing when you do the the because you get, um, I believe you get. Carlos first, then Mix uh, being approached by Carlos for the rescue mission. And yeah. then uh, you realize that Mix doesn't know who Maria is. Or right. I think she assumes is. it's his
0: wife or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a great sort of like um, the the scene where he sort of lays it all out <laughs> in the midst of like okay we're we're now in the sort of like the epicenter of downtown wherever uh i'm I'm gonna guess it's probably somewhere <laughs> somewhere in North Carolina because I believe Ballingrid lives in
0: North Carolina <laughs> I'm not, yeah I'm, it's I think it's intentionally kept vague um mm-hmm. yeah it could be North Carolina it could just as easily be uh I don't know. I was thinking also like maybe even
1: a place like Kentucky or Tennessee or something like that where it's it's sort of – I don't know. It just yeah, didn't feel like – Yeah, I mean I was like, going to
0: say he's done some stuff in um, New Orleans, but I'm pretty sure it's not that because like New Orleans, you know, the street names are fairly recognizable. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I mean that's why I
1: was like – he mentions like something like North Kensington and stuff yeah, like that, and, which – yeah. Which makes me think of like you know old like the old English settlements uh, that have now become you know whatever they are in the south, Um, but anyway it it yeah I think it's it's intentionally left vague as well just to make sure that you know you could you could sort of feel a sense of urgency about it and it's sort of also the the general disorientation of the story itself which is. once you start seeing or, or he starts describing the creatures, it's like, oh, this is like, I don't know, like Silent Hill or something weird, you know, just like the, the surgeons and the wheelers or the wagoneers, I should say.
0: Yeah, uh, I think what I love about this story is that a lot of other authors would front load it. it mm. It would be, um, you know, they would want to show off their world building. So it would be like, there were eight foot tall people that we called the surgeons, and there were wagoneers, and there was skin. and But he sort of like is smart enough that he sort of slowly incorporates it. And mm-hmm. as the story goes, you get a, a wider picture. So you get this sort of vague, hellish, um, like atmosphere You know, in this Mm -hmm. picture in your head, but you don't have the full picture until the end of the story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like, I I don't know about you, but like, as I was reading this, I could not imagine any of this happening during the day. I don't know why. I just imagine all of the scenes happening at night.
0: I mean, I can picture some of it during the day, but like, definitely. Yeah, I pictured it as very like foggy and cloudy. So like, it might as well be night the whole time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't know. Maybe it was just simply the fact that it's, it seems silly, but it's sort of a dark story. So I was like, well, it's, it's happening at night. I mean, it's definitely it's scary. night at
0: one point because they describe, um, I mean, one of the, I believe it's one of the surgeons or maybe it's a Wagoneer. They have a light that's like made out of a person, I think. Mm, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah and I think that um like uh, the the initial um rescue of Carlos from his like the evacuation happens at night I believe I think um, so yes but but you know that uh I I just find it really fascinating the way like you said he you know Bellingham does not really waste time trying to over explain anything it's just happening uh, during the evacuation, he he sort of glances and sees like I believe the the phrase was it looked like uh, a nightmare like a, a scrawled nightmare you know something a a, a child would scrawl uh, or uh, a nightmare made out of sticks or something like that yeah yeah and it's like the one of the the creatures just sort of like stalking slowly across the, like a block away just sort of, my, it's not even really paying attention to them, not really and uh, slowly sort of unfurling skin or flesh or something from like a human arm that keeps on sort of like flopping as it unrolls it uh, and and uses that tissue to garland the streetlights and you're like, ugh God.
0: Yeah, I mean I could be wrong too but I think one of the things that – I'm fairly sure this is accurate. I Even when the people are dead, I think I, they're like sort of still alive. Like they're undead.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah so well, it, it,
0: it's even more disturbing because it's like, yeah, it's disturbing enough if they kill these people and then they're hanging skin and stuff and they have wheelbarrows full of bodies. But it's like the bodies are still sort of like singing – Mm -hmm. Yeah, And the the arms are still sort of moving, like free of the bodies. The way that I sort of interpreted
1: that um, was, especially when when they meet that first Wagoneer that happens, they're like, it rounds a corner and they they freeze, you know, Mix and Carlos freeze. And they're like sitting there and uh, it's got like basically the entire wheelbarrow is full of these torsos. Yeah. Some of them with arms, most of them without, but all of them uh, have their heads and all of the heads are sort of joined in unison into like sustaining a single note. Yeah. And like their eyes are rolled, like they're the, you could only see the whites of their eyes because their eyes are all rolled back into their heads. And the way I, I slowly sort of figured out or, or sort of interpreted how the, you know, what, what, what was happening is that essentially all the humans are are, yes, they're, they're somewhat alive, but somehow they've been repurposed like they're alive, but they're now a lamp or they're now just a, 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 uh, like a, a, not a bell exactly, but like some sort of musical instrument or now you're going to festoon the walls because that's what we want you to do, you know? Uh, and all all of the, the, the area that uh, is surrounding the Maw uh, is basically, you know, pulsating with life that has just been sort of, I guess, jokingly, uh, you could say jokingly, it's
0: all been gentrified by hell. Yeah, that's what I think. That's one of the more interesting aspects as well is um, it doesn't, it's not like a snatch and grab thing. Like, the, the surgeons and the other um, entities from hell, like, they see people and just don't seem to care. Mm-hmm. They're just sort of, like, going about their day, like, oh, I'm going to hang some skin now, and I'm going to, you know, drag some dead bodies along in my wheelbarrow. But they can see people and just go, oh, okay. Like, they're not, they're interested in people as objects, but they're not... They don't seem too bothered if they find somebody still alive in that area. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, right. Which I think just ramps up the tension because also the fact that none of them, like, speak.
0: The no, they just kind of walk along.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, like, there's no – I mean, it's it's sort of mimics uh, or is sort of like a, a – a, uh, a twisted mockery of what you would call the silence of God. You know, why doesn't God respond to my prayers? Well, guess what? Hell doesn't either. So (laughs) no one is listening to you. And I feel like that, uh, like the, the silence ramps up the tension, but it also makes it like even more bleak. Like you said, you know, like humans are just sort of like this material that uh, they can, they can just, repurpose
0: and use in different ways yeah yeah absolutely Um, yeah there's a weird indifference which I think Mm -hmm. on the one hand you could say well that's not as disturbing because if they get seen it's not you know they're not gonna it's not default they're gonna get killed but it's just it's also just it's creepy like they're just there.
1: Mhm. Well, it it also it infuses it with a certain, you know, sort of randomness to the events. There's no real rhyme or reason necessarily behind it. You know, like I feel like in in a way that's even more existentially dreadful because somehow you're like hell is supposed to be about you, specifically. You're you're the one that's supposed to be punished for you, the things you did. And somehow, if Hell is just sort of like shrugs and goes like, yeah, whatever, dude. Uh, we'll get to you some sometime soon, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's just uh, sort of the inevitability of it, of like, they don't even... It's also, yeah, it's hard to... Because they obviously kill some people,
1: so mm-hmm. it's
0: hard to even know you know like what the rules are like if it was you know traditional kind of undead or vampires you know what those rules are they see somebody they die mm-hmm. this right, is right. much more nebulous and it's it's like well they might see you and they might kill you or or they might not
1: right Right. And, and I mean, uh, for the characters, I could only imagine like just sort of like taking in like, oh, this is a wheelbarrow full of torsos that are singing. That's nice. No, it's yeah, not. Yeah. And it's, I mean,
0: another aspect, um, I don't know if you want to like, if we can hop around, if you want to stick to it. Like, no, no. No, okay. we, could, we could hop around. This um, way. So eventually we do get the reveal that Maria, the dog, is still alive. Mm -hmm. And she's just sort of hanging out in the apartment building and around all these, you know, like kind of undead bodies and stretched skin and these, these hell entities and they just don't seem to care. Yeah. Like she's fine. She hasn't even been injured. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I I also think that like Maria being a dog uh, would probably be immune to uh you know whatever uh, you know ministrations the the surgeons or whatever you know demons are around because she's not really sentient uh, i'm not entirely or or not sentient in the way that humans are and possibly not uh really a material that they'd prefer
0: right yeah uh
1: but, but it's just also- the image
0: of like this i pictured like fairly cute older dog but like this thing just sort of hanging out in this like next to this hell mouth with like a bunch of dead bodies and stuff. And she's just sort of laying on the ground and like, or I, you know, running I around barking. I don't know.
1: I, I thought that she was like rooting around like whatever was left over. I just That's imagined she like might getting have gone all, through some awful. Yeah. Um But, but the thing that really sort of hit home for me, the more I thought about it is that Maria, you know, like, so Carlos makes this big, there's this big thing about how Carlos has never been married. He has been alone way too long. I think there's a, a great quote um, about how he'd been. Uh, he had this theory that that people were like records that you know, like old records who've been that been that have been left out in the sun. Yeah, um, and uh, and the fact is that if you don't. So the, the records warp slightly, but if you don't warp in relation or, you know, with enough people warping around you and sort of twisting in their ways around you that somehow you become sort of alienated from everyone, uh, you, you you no longer like he can no longer really. Uh, even have patience for other people's like little quirks and whatnot, and Maria is the only thing, like his only sort of anchor, right?
0: Yeah, she, Maria is basically the only thing that keeps him connected uh, to the world.
1: Yeah, and and I find it really fascinating that Maria, much like the you know, sort of like the the, the demons that surround them, and to a certain extent the. The the events, she is also silent. She has no, you know, she has nothing to say about anything because she's a dog. Right. But at the same time, you know, he loves her uh, mainly. You know, because she's been with him for fifteen years. She's an yeah. old old dog. But um, you know, and and I guess in the way that anyone who's ever had a a, a dog specifically, you can love a dog very very much uh but she does not love him in the same way back. Right. Which is There's funny. this very
0: heartbreaking um line or you know um somewhere near the end where he realizes like you might not love me as much as I love you. Like you might just have loved the building more than me, which is why you went back to the building. Right, right. And and so I
1: feel like that punctuates Carlos's own sort of uh, loneliness. Uh, the fact Right, it's like
0: that- the one thing um, that he feels like he has, he might not even really have. It might just be, a, you know, she obviously likes him well enough, but you don't, there's no way to really know with a dog if it like, there'd be no way to gauge if it loved you the same way. <laughs> I mean, by yeah, default I mean- it doesn't because it's a dog.
1: Yeah, it does not. Yeah, it does not have the same human sort of emotions or sense of self or what have you. But but yeah, I think
0: it's it's just a great like it, it's really such a great. Um, in, in a way, it sort of mirrors the surgeons and the the things from hell because they can't they you can't really tell what they're thinking either. And in a way, a dog is similar. It's like did she go back because she was. Was she confused? Like, did she just think, "Oh, I got to go back to where I live"? Or mm-hmm. was she right. annoyed? Like, where we're, it's said that he has to live in a smaller apartment, was she like annoyed with that? But you know, you you'll never know,
1: right? Well, I mean, and and also to to your point, like the the, the surgeons and all the demons, they like they're also silent, um, but there is like this weird. Um, Like between Carlos and Maria, there's like this weird – it's not a triangle specifically – it's it's more like he loves her and she's looking off into the distance and that's sort of almost heartbreaking if it weren't like if she weren't a dog right perhaps more i don't know it's maybe it is more heartbreaking because you you always think that dogs are loyal and they love you back and and she's sort of like well you know I'm, I'm old i i just like like you said i think maybe uh i always took it to be like yeah i just want to go back to the place that i know yeah and she she, gra- she she just sort of found her way back to the old Right. I took building. it like
0: she's old, so she might have gotten confused and, I don't know, just thought, oh, I live here, so I should go back there. And maybe she assumed he would come back. I mean, she also has no idea. Ad- That's another aspect. She obviously has no idea what's going on. I mean, none of the humans have any idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. So a dog obviously has no idea.
1: Right, right. So... um yeah, I, I just uh, I also like I find that mix in all of this uh, is sort of I mean uh, apart from that metaphor uh, uh, of sort of loving something that doesn't necessarily love you in the same way back it can't reciprocate in in, in that same way. Mix is just I think she's uh, very aptly named given the fact that she is very she's got a very conflicting sort of. Uh, emotions mostly because you know she lost her parents to the the encroachment of the maw into the yeah. in into the world and you know she's had to sort of quickly adapt to all of this and she she sort of presents this very sort of tough as nails facade but you know she is also you know very lonely
0: yeah i mean you would have to you know she lost her parents And not even in a way that, you know, if it's like they get hit by a car or, you know, they die in a fire, that's at least something your mind understands. Mm -hmm. But this way, I I believe at one point she even says, like, yeah, her parents are probably among these sort of somehow still animated corpses. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And so she goes in to the – I'm Blanking on what they call the zone. Um, the Hollow City, was Hollow it? Hollow City. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, she City. has to go in every time knowing she might run into her undead parents. Mm-hmm. Who clearly well, so- just don't have any... They, they can't. Uh, even when I say undead, that's like... I don't know if that's even correct.
1: Yeah. I, I just feel like there, this is like a story that... Um, that is like uh, the the area X from the Jeff Vandermeer uh, yeah, novels. Yeah, yeah. It's like you just can't
0: know what is happening, and yeah, even it, if you it, wanted to, the surgeons aren't going to tell you. The Wagoneers yeah. aren't going to tell you. Yeah. Um.
1: Uh, what was I going to say? The oh that 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 the one of the things that um, is mentioned, uh, perhaps not hammered home, but just mentioned in passing, is the fact that like local like local news or news from outside of the town has not really mentioned anything about this so they're on their own as well right. and to your point to your point about like so mix even even more sort of uh you know perhaps punctuating her loneliness the fact that if she were to go to talk to somebody and you know try to connect and 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 sort of like grieve her parents. Like, imagine if you just got sort of like somebody that you knew told you, like, I, I'm I'm feeling really down. My parents, I, I don't know where they are. And you're like, oh, that sounds terrible. What happened? And you're like, oh, well, you know, they... I guess some sort of hellish thing happened and they got strung up between the light posts and they're sort of still alive but I don't they, I don't know that they recognize me anymore and they're not really alive in the way that I knew um you know like you said it's it's so far from a normal way to <laughs> accept death that you know mix wouldn't be able to really get any type of sympathy from anybody because they're like, what, what's going on with you? We, are you, have you lost your mind? What's going
0: on? Well, I mean, in a weird way, it reminds me of, um, this is a weird end, but it reminds me a little bit of like COVID where it was like, no one could really anticipate like what was going to happen. So I feel like, you know, a lot of people, they lost loved ones and they, it was still so, I mean, it's still big, but it was mm-hmm. so like hard to process just in terms of how the world had changed that like even normal grief like became hard.
1: Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really something. And, and, and more so when the rest of the world is sort of, Chugging along, you know, trying to continue doing whatever it was doing before, uh, and that's not a knock. I mean, I, I mean, uh, we we could get into that, but I, I'd rather
0: not. <laughs> no, I just mean in terms of the the setting of like, I guess it's reminiscent because it's like it's unexpected, but then it's just it's like, hey, here's a here's hell on earth, but you still have to live, so you just accept it and move on. Mm-hmm
1: well and it's localized right so right like,
0: and it's only you know, in like, one specific area like it's not like they even seem to want to expand mm-hmm. they're just in this well, one kind of I picture it like 10 city blocks something yeah like something that. like
1: that yeah like they they've hollowed out like all those buildings uh where you know Carlos used to live uh, amongst many others and yeah it doesn't seem to be at the very least there's no real um hint at the end that it's spreading, although it could. I don't know. Um, if anything, it's. I think it's not spreading so much as uh, calling, uh, you know, sort of people to it rather than spreading to meet them.
0: Right. Uh, there's this weird quality of um, – there's this weird beautiful quality that is uh, mentioned to – um, even in terms of the the skin getting stretched, there are some lines about how it's, you know, it's obviously awful, but the way it's presented has a weird beauty to it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it it really is because it's, it's sort of – I think it's – I think that's why I keep on going back to like this idea that the humans who have been sort of – killed question mark um, yeah. aren't exactly dead in a way that we would recognize uh they're still somewhat alive just not in a way that we would ever really recognize as being human life um and, and yes it, it's it's presented as if it's like this weird like somehow <laughs> hell spat out a weird art collective that just Likes to use human flesh as like its canvas and and its you know raw materials to make uh, different things you know. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's almost such like a weird performance thing.
0: art, but with demons.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it it is really something. uh, Just and and the fact that it's all happening like in this specific area, no one like it doesn't seem to be that any of the demons speak. No, nothing. Yeah. The, the, if anything, it's the human bodies that they use as the, sort of like their instruments. Uh, yeah.
0: But even but, that isn't speech. It's like song.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess there could be information in there, but nothing that I could glean from it necessarily. Other no, than No, I mean, yeah, I've yeah, read this a couple of
0: times and I've never found anything that uh, even hints that what occurs is more than just music.
1: Right. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, in, in that situation, I, maybe if it could be studied, maybe you could glean something. Oh, yeah, possibly. But but I'm not – I'm. yeah, I don't think it's there on the page. And it's supposed – you know, like, Bellinger is withholding that, um, I think, very intentionally just to sort of really go back to that theme of sort of like loneliness and silence and, and all that. Yeah. Um, it is really interesting the way he, that he uses this because even at the end, um, what is the? I'm gonna. I'm I'm trying to find it now.
0: Uh, uh, I mean, I have it in front of me.
1: Which uh, which part? Oh, so the the fact that there's a sound that emanates from the depths of the of the the maw itself.
0: Oh, I've I've got the last couple paragraphs actually. I'd like to read them. Go 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 <clears> for <throat> it. The sound from the hole grew in volume. It was an answer to loneliness and a call to the forgotten. It was hell's lullaby, and as the long tone blew from the abyss, it filtered out through the windows and the doors, and it caught in the reed-like parchments of skin and set them to keening. It powered the wheels of bones so they clamored and rattled and chimed, and it blended with the chorus of notes from the suspended bodies until the whole of the city became as the bell of a great trumpet, spilling a mournful beauty into the world. Every yearning for love rang like a bell in the chest. Every lonely fear found its justification. The clangor of the song kept rising until it filled the sky. Their ache stretched them until their bodies sang. In dark fathoms, something turned its vast head and found it beautiful. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's, I think that that sort of cements to me, like this is, I don't know about you, but I interpreted that as sort of like, uh, if there is sort of like uh, the devil or Satan at the bottom of the, the maw, he is also lonely and searching for, you know, sort of like some sort of uh, love in the world because he's been cast down, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean... That that was what I thought about it, and uh, I just found it really fascinating that like what it's what it calls to in mix specifically is sort of like this feral part of her that has sort of sprung up. That's just cruel because it 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 sort of does enjoy um, watching when people do stupid shit and pay consequences for yeah, it. Yeah, there
0: is a whole section where she describes kind of finding out this aspect of herself like she kind of delights in watching people that she deems as weaker like you know being destroyed. Mhm. Right.
1: And so that's the the part of her that sort of like stirs when she hears that and I I just found that really fascinating because it's it is sort of calling to her her sort of like more like more cruel aspect but at the same time that aspect would not have sprung up if she had not been sort of, like, cast into the world alone at this point. And so, you know, like... Well, I, like mean, the, I mean, further than
0: that, too, they they take... Or he takes care to, at least more than once, she thinks back to how her parents would think of her as a stupid girl and, like, basically tell her, like, you're a stupid girl. Hmm. And I saw that as sort of, like, a very subtle implication that she came from a at least a verbal abuse background. Mm-hmm. Which might account for sort of how she acts.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. We don't get a lot of background from her because I feel like she's a super guarded uh, character. Right. Uh, We don't get a lot of internality uh, because it's all sort of externalized. Like all of her sort of anger at how things have turned out is externalized and that's all you get. But yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't know that it's on the page necessarily, but it could be like it, it's inferred a little bit. And I feel like I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, that was her background.
0: But I mean, either way, it's, it's clear. Um, I would like to talk about the structure a little bit. Cause I do like the structure as well. It mm-hmm. starts with, uh, I forget. I mean, it alternates back and forth between Mix's perspective and Carlos's perspective. And I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it starts with Mix.
1: Yeah, it starts with Mix. Uh, sort of. She's, yes, it's, yeah, sort of she's Mix, sort of it's sort of complaining about media Rex. Yeah. Uh, already leading Carlos along, and then it jumps back to Carlos if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah,
0: but I do love the structure because it, so it opens it up and you've got this teenage girl and she's describing, you know, we're in the hot, we're in this hell city. Um, and this is some of what it looks like. And I've got this old man with me and I'm trying to help him out. And so it's sort of um, the mystery unfolds in that way as well via different perspectives.
1: Mm-hmm. And I yeah, do like yeah. that formatting. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, he he does a really good job of uh, sort of giving you the information that is really important for each of the characters. And then, you know, once that's established, uh, you do get like, uh, you know, sort of like the, I don't want to say the synthesis, but definitely like mixed together, uh, you know, like finding out, like, for instance, the first thing that – that Carlos's uh, section says is, you know, the dog was gone. So it's not like a, it, you get the, the dramatic irony of finding out that Maria is a dog. And then, you know, that sets up a, a, a sort of a reader tension. Uh, to find out, well, shit. How is Mix gonna re- react to that? Uh, and and it works really well because when when he reveals it to her, <laughs> she she's just like completely like at at that point they're
0: already deep in. You know, right. Like, he intentionally, I think, doesn't doesn't tell her that Maria is a dog because he seems smart enough to know at least that she probably wouldn't help him if she knew. Right. And then when he decides to say. It's already kind of too late. Like, okay, she can leave him to die, mm-hmm. or she can just help him with the last leg of the journey to try to find his dog. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I, I and I mean, it, it's
1: such a like like you said. I I I was rereading it just before we we came on and he is very sort of obtuse about it he's sort of like yeah maria's gone and she's like oh, and lets her sort of fill in the blanks as to oh you know wife or whatever yeah he doesn't outright
0: yeah. lie but he just omits facts mm-hmm. yeah like he never says my wife maria but he says you know like maria i need to find you know my friend maria kind of a thing yeah yeah
1: uh, and I just found that to be really, really funny because I mean, not funny, funny, like just simply a, a clever way to uh, also display like his character. Where he, I mean, in a way, it's almost enough.
0: more touching because it's this dog that he knows is very old, probably doesn't have that much longer in this world, and it is still just a dog. I mean, I love mm-hmm. animals, but. I don't know if I'd go back for my cat if it was like <laughs> a hell on earth scenario. Yeah that
1: that is that is I don't know that that that's the type of thing that I would think about. I'd like to think that uh, I I'd, I'd try to save them, but also you'd
0: like to think that. But then it's like they're like was... eight foot tall weird demon things that are stretching people, <laughs> just taking their skin and using it as instruments.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is, yes, that is definitely something beyond, like, uh, a house fire or, right. a, <laughs> or a giant storm or something like that. So, yeah, it it is it – is, uh, I just really find it um, – But it is like weirdly said, touching because it's, it's
0: like he goes – I mean, I believe he even says at one point, you know, he recognizes that the dog might be dead mm-hmm. and he goes anyway because he just has to know.
1: Right, right. Well, I mean – I, I feel like at this point uh, he's probably just needs to bear witness in some way, shape, or form. You know, yeah. Uh, since since Maria's been with him so long, you know he he needs yeah he to, needs he, some
0: sort of closure. I think even if it's just finding out that she's been killed, so he can at least know. Okay, I did my best.
1: Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean it, this story has like and honestly I am I'm, I'm super glad that that uh you know you recommended this one because it, it really does have a lot of layers to it and the, like I have been thinking about it off and on, you know, for the last couple of weeks because I I read this all in just like one one gulp yeah. and then went back to it and I was like Damn, why is why is this story working so well for me?
0: You know, why am I still thinking about it? Yeah, and it really holds up. To I think part of that is the he was intelligent enough to do, you know not not over-explain, which I mm-hmm. think I understand why people you know explain things. Obviously, we're artistically we're used to things being explained to us. Like the biggest media, it's like this is me explaining what this is about. Um, the
1: 17 um, Easter eggs you missed in Nathan Ballingrid's The Mall. Right, like, right. No, but like,
0: it holds up because it's these like tantalizing glimpses. So you want to go back and be like, did I miss like a something that like painted a broader picture of this or because I love the whole collection of wounds, but, um, you know, like And I, I, you know, I've gone back and reread Visible Filth and um, The Butcher's Table. I love that story. And, you know, Atlas of Hell. I love all the stories in this collection. But something about the Maw is a little... It's weird. I hesitate to say subtle because it's not Mm -hmm. so subtle. I mean, there's still eight-foot-tall demon things that are, like, (laughs) flaying people. I think... think,
1: What I feel when I'm uh, when I was reading this is that the subtlety is in what he what Ballingrid chooses not to include. yeah. and and that also sort of, once again, I think it's super aligned with the th- these themes of like, you know, sort of like th- that feeling of want. And somehow, this is a story that leaves you sort of like, Leaves enough room for me to sort of like think about it and it's not crowding me out with too much explanation and it lets me sort of like, um, sort of like lets the story echo inside
0: of me, yeah, to a certain extent. Maybe that sounds a little, uh, (laughs) no, no, I, I mean, I feel the same way. What I like about, um, the maw is the same thing I've recently liked about... I watched a movie called Starfish. I believe it was 2018. Hmm, Um, Okay. And that one is basically... It's this woman whose best friend has just died. But then there's like a... Basically Lovecraftian apocalypse that happens. But the framing of the movie is still a drama about a woman whose friend has died. So it's like... There'll be these huge kind of like cosmic kaiju like walking the streets and there will be these like monsters out and about but it kind of deals with the difference between personal apocalypse and actual apocalypse and it's like ultimately like if everything you knew was taken away or if your best friend died it wouldn't matter if the world was actually ending because you'd almost be more preoccupied with your Mm -hmm. own grief right right well I mean I, I I was recently
1: on this uh so like on this panel talking about like you know uh, you know end of the world stuff yeah and you know like obviously you know when you die that is the end of the world for you right <laughs> uh and, and grief is somewhat uh you know sort of gets as close like losing someone that's close to you gets as close to that. Uh, as possible without you going right. I mean, each person is their
0: own little world, so every major kind of trauma and major loss is like it's like its own little personal apocalypse. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And I mean, in this case,
1: we do have like you know at least two people that are you know very very lonely, so they don't have any other connections to sort of like ameliorate that feeling of wow, you know, this is, you know, this is my own apocalypse um, with, you know, sort of nested within this larger one that's happening actually in the world, um, which, which, you know, I think just really works really well with the the entire, you know, the entire story is sort of like one of these things where it's perfectly, everything seems to be perfectly aligned in a way that really sort of sticks with you.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I would want to mention, too, I recently read a story by Nick and Tosca from his collection, The The Girlfriend Game, and I'm blanking on the name of it now, but it's similar where it's it's basically this... um, It's this man whose father has gone insane, so he's in an insane asylum, but Mm -hmm. then, like, there are these hints throughout that there's this weird, like like, enormous kaiju that has showed up, but it doesn't focus on that because this guy's more preoccupied with his dad who's in the mental asylum and, you know, like, trying to make sure he's getting the right care even as the doctors are leaving because there's, like, some sort of Godzilla-type thing happening.
1: (laughs) Wow. That sounds wild. It's a pretty great story.
0: I mean, I I gotta reread that one, too. But it was similar in that I just love that I love that conceit of, like, like if my mom died, right, and then aliens came down to Earth, you know, mm. most other people are going to be like, oh, my God, have you seen those aliens? And I'm going to be like, yeah, yeah, sorry, my mom just died, so I'm a little preoccupied. Like, that's, <laughs> right. that's sort of, I love that, like, because it's like, we don't stop being us when weird shit happens.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're you're busy trying to like, God damn it, I got to file this fucking death certificate, right? And like, the I office gotta, is closed because I, of do what? I get a
0: funeral? Can I get a funeral? Because there's a big monster outside, and
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, I could just imagine like. <laughs> It, it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It is something that then pits sort of like the, the sort of like the big conflict against the sort of like the smaller one. Yeah. The I sma- think it might be my
0: favorite kind of story is just like personal apocalypse versus actual apocalypse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's a great, uh, honestly, it's a great premise to, to or a frame for a, a story, honestly, because it's, it is really about, you know, this is sort of like, uh, sort of like man versus nature, you know, man versus the world or whatever, yeah. or man versus systems, what, what have you, uh, it, it really sort of, uh, it
0: has lots of um, material to mine, you know. Yeah, I mean, I do think the ma would make. You'd obviously have to do. Well, you'd have to, you know, adapt it however you adapt it, but I think it would make something interesting as like a film or a limited TV series. Mm-hmm. You'd have to add some stuff, I think, but it would work. I, mean, I think even
1: something like a short film, although you know, to be honest with you, like most short stories can be. Perfectly adapted into you know, like a 90-minute film. Yeah, whatever, no, that's you know? true. Uh, I Because, you know, like I think that especially at the 90-minute mark and uh, – Yeah, know, I guess as a
0: shorter film, you probably wouldn't have to – it would just come down to structuring and like if you keep the same structure or do you – how do you adjust it for film?
1: yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like it's it's weird. I, I don't know that I'm in any hurry to, to sort of adapt this one. Oh no. But I'm not it saying, would be interesting.
0: I'm not saying it has to be. I'm just saying it's there's an oddly cinematic quality to it, despite the mm-hmm. fact that the imagery is like so briefly mentioned, but like just the Helmall itself, like mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm just imagining like, you know, just like some
1: huge, like spindly, you know, demon under like those sodium lights, just sort of like off in the distance. And you're like, and that, that would be a, not a, not a very, uh, you know expensive effect
0: i feel but no you uh, can do it i mean well nowadays they do it with cg but you could do yeah. it practically as well you could yeah, do yeah, it, yeah. I, I think you do a mix of the two but yeah yeah. Know, this i, is I getting feel like, too. Yeah. i'm not a producer how the hell I know?
1: <laughs> yeah i, I we're, we're not we're not trying to adapt this uh folks we're, we're just sort of i'm spit just spitballing balling here. yes yeah um but um, yeah
0: i mean there is also i'd like to say there is that sort of I don't know if it's unique to me, but there is that thing everyone has or a lot of people do where it's like, this thing is great. We need to make it into another thing. And yeah, I yeah. don't know that it's always necessary. I mean, I do love yeah. the Maw for what it is.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, like, especially when you're, you're dealing with something that's uh, sort of uh, – experimental yeah. or I mean uh, even e- I would even say even regular sort of uh sort of stories that are that have like this richness to them I feel like part of part of that richness would be lost uh, and sort of flattened because you have to then sort of adapt it to the screen yeah I mean that's you have inevitable really good... I think
0: with every adaptation is there is a there's a quality of like you gotta you gotta take the butterfly and put it on a you Know on a wall, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean,
1: uh, if it puts more uh, money in in Nathan's pockets, but right? At the I'm same time, <laughs> anything to give him more money, I mean, yeah, like, so can I'm, I'm okay going. with that, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so uh, I again, thanks for recommending this. This was a really fantastic horror. I mean, uh, I have to add, it was weird. a really
0: tough decision too because it's like. I knew I wanted to cover something from Wounds, but like I love, yeah, I love every story in there. So it, Mm -hmm. it came down to like three, and then I'm like, well, which do I pick? And ultimately, I picked the Maw because I haven't seen anyone really talking about it. I mean, I know it's rare to see anybody randomly go, oh, this story from this collection from, you know, five years ago is amazing. Yeah, Um, yeah. And usually that's the stuff that gets adapted, you know, like visible filth was great and it turned into wounds. Mm -hmm. And so it's like on people's radars because they're seeing something and then they're thinking about it in that way. Um,
1: But yeah, the Maw
0: is just like an incredible story. Yeah, I feel like it really
1: hits everything that I – I mean – i've read it at, at least, least three it, times now so <laughs> i don't doubt it i mean i i was just rereading it now but um but you know honestly it it, it is like the entire collection is only six stories so you know yeah folks yeah. Uh, it, it's not it's not a big ask these are all really like the the ones that i've read out of this which i've probably already read like half of this collection uh, and I'm i'm okay with rereading them because it's been a while Uh, All of them that I've read so far have something to them. You know, Ballingrid is really great at what he does, uh, which is, you know, sort of like it's, it's horror, but also very weird in a sense that it sort of evades like this easy explanation. Well, he's very literary
0: as well. Um, I noticed that with uh, North American lake monsters too. It's like you would get these great supernatural stories, but the framing would be, I don't know, uh, A man that owned a construction company that had to go out of business or uh, a a neo-Nazi or, you know, just various sort of like very literary conceits. And then it would just be horror was incorporated in a very organic way.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. But yeah, so
1: uh, again, thanks for 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 recommending this one because I had not read this one, but I'd read some other ones. Um, and uh, so, in this case, uh, did you have any any last thoughts that you want to want to put out there regarding uh, wounds and or the maw, Sean?
0: No, I, I mean just go pick it up. I've read the book. I also have the audio book, which I would add is excellent. And you know, I'm an audiobook guy, so I. I liked it. Excellent. All right. Well,
1: and so um, I guess uh, what I'd want to know here, Sean, is uh, what what exactly
0: uh, – where can people find you? What what irons do you have in the fire? Okay. And it does feel sort of silly being like this incredible story. Anyway, back to me. <laughs> um, no. So I recently started a press called Nictitating Books. Mm-hmm. Um I have currently three uh, books available. The first is Screaming Creatures, which is my first full-length collection. Uh, It's currently on sale for $6.99, the uh, the physical version, um, Mm -hmm. down from, I think it was like $14.99. And the the ebook is on sale for 99 cents. And I just released a great um, Haunted House novella uh by an author named Maxwell Bauman and uh, his uh ebook is also on sale for ninety nine cents and the uh physical book is on sale for nine ninety nine. And both of those um I'm not sure when this is out, but both of those are on sale until Halloween. Um mm-hmm. so yeah. And then there's another one Astrum people have responded to that's a ninety nine cent ebook and I've been very, you know, excited about that. Um so I guess that's the main thing I want to plug because that's uh, been so much of my life for the last couple of years I've done a lot of I've done a lot of behind the scenes work and we're only in the next year gonna be seeing like the fruits of my labor so <laughs> right but all for right. now there are three books from nictitating books so I think all of them are great two of them are mine so I feel <laughs> weird you know like, Saying they're great because that's not really on me to say, but other people have said they're great. So, but Excellent. I can say that Maxwell Bauman's House of Blood and Teeth, which is his uh, haunted house novella, is great. Okay, well, I'll have to see
1: if I can pick that one up. All right, uh, and I'll I'll uh, certainly include those links and 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 titles and whatnot to in our show notes, just so that people know.
0: Yeah, I mean um, it'll be even if this is out after Halloween. They're gonna be off and on on sale as well, so they're not going anywhere. Excellent, all
1: right. Well, um, I do wanna thank you again for uh, coming on and talking about this really great uh, story. And um, I suppose, uh, you know what, Uh, would you mind perhaps uh, curating some other uh, nice horror fiction uh, in the future and come back? No, I'd love to, it'd be my pleasure. Excellent, all right. Well we'll we'll certainly uh, see about uh which which story you'll choose and uh, I I'd be glad to have you back Sean. This is great. Yeah, thank you for so much for having me. All right, well, um, and if that is it, I do want to thank everyone for listening as well. Go out and buy uh, Nathan Balogrid's books, go and buy uh, Sean's nictitating books, uh, 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 books that he mentioned here. They are
0: actually, if you go on Amazon, every Mm -hmm. nictitating book has its own uh, tag, so you can just click on the tag for nictitating books and it'll give you a separate page of um, our books. Oh, excellent. Yeah, it's, right. a, it's a little cheat. You just add it as a, a co-author, basically. <laughs> right, right.
1: All right. Um, and so I do want to thank everyone for listening in, and we'll catch you next time here on Podside.